my style. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pastor and Please podcast. This is my studio. Uh, this is uh, Dale Guger reporting to you from the homeschool office in Tomball, Texas. Uh, or sorry, Cypress, uh, Texas. See, you're already you're already owning your uh, you're already owning your homeschoolness. I know, Hans, Hans. I was telling Dale before the episode had started that we have a I have a friend in my discipleship group who was like, "Is your brother homeschool? It seems like he homeschools by the way he talks." And I was like, "He does," and apparently he has homeschool tells. Yeah, I wouldn't have so guessed. So whatever those are. I would not have guessed, but um, but good on your friend. Uh, and you know, it's to be fair, it's also it's more. My, he, he also he homeschools more more my so wife than me. Um, well, a homeschool family. That's true. I support her in it, and uh, that's always a funny one because I think I've talked about that before. Before we decided to homeschool, my heart was kind of leaning that way, but it's a real tough call to make, even as a nice, godly, uh, semi-godly husband, to tell your wife, "Hey, guess what? I think this should be your vocation for the next uh, eighteen years or more." Um, I hope you're cool with that. All right, see, ya. I'm going to go to work. Um, I'll be I'll be back yeah. whenever I can. <laughs> but uh, Hans, you're reporting from a really uh, state of the art studio right now, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I have a. Uh, you're welcome. I, I'm at my house. I'm usually at the office. But I have a blanket um, around me, and Dale really can't see my face as I try to just make it work um, because I wanted it to be less echoey. So now I've kind of created my own little sound studio with a blanket draped over my head and behind the computer screen. So this is exciting, guys. This is uh, state-of-the-art technology we have going on here for the episode. Uh, and Dale, I'm a, I, I'm a little excited. Excited about this episode, mainly because I got to uh, contribute to its its elements. Yeah. Um, was wondering though before we even get into it, we'll be talking uh, coming out of last week a little bit more about sports, but in regard to sports in the family. Yeah. Um, and I just was curious, did you watch any of the Winter Olympics? I watched um, the recap of the U.S. men's curling team in their defeat and gold medal win over the Swedish curling team. Uh, and I uh, particularly... Being, I'm being summoned by a child already. See, my kids are yelling my name. They can't. I, the blanket doesn't hide me. Keep talking, Dale. Oh, sure, sure. It's fine. Uh, but so I watched the U.S. men's curling team beat the Swedish men's curling team, which I thought was... Uh, I tweeted that out and thought was hilarious because um, you had basically this group of, of men that looked like a bunch of dads that formed a beer league from wisconsin uh that were sponsored by quick trip uh and showed no athletic prowess in their overall form and looked about as average as possible and they beat this superhuman team of bearded very muscular very athletic swedes uh that looked like they were born to curl uh and so but they won so the goal you know u.s took home the gold medal in curling that is the extent so of my you Olympic watching. didn't watch curling. You watched the recap of curling, and yeah. that was it. That's fair to say. Okay, that's a fair. That's, um, a, that's a fair summary of what I watched. <laughs> yeah. So, so you 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 saw a recap. Well, yeah. it was it. You know, it, of course, being in um, in South Korea, it was a little more difficult to watch live because you would be watching from about you know eight p.m. to three a.m. if you wanted to actually see everything that was going on, or you'd be off. So we did watch some. We watched. Um, the other night we were watching women's curling. Of course, closing ceremonies were, uh, I guess, yesterday morning. Uh, so they just finished over the weekend. Um, we did. We watched a little women's curling because, you know, curling is intense. Watched skiing. We watched um, a brief amount of hockey. 
We watched. Um, Did you watch the person from I figure think, skating? Did you watch the person from Hungary do the uh, do like the ski half? Just go back with, and forth with no the tricks. Half-pipe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The person who gamed the system. I like that person. I like their style. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we didn't watch a ton. We watched a little bit with the boys, and uh, we do like it. Um, I was curious, you know, because a lot of these people, like the gal who won the half pipe for LSU or not for LSU for USA. Um, she was 17. Mm-hmm. I think a Russian figure skater was 15. And so these are pretty intense. Uh, y- you got to start early if you want a gold medal by the time you're 15. I mean, my oldest kid is now seven years away from that. And I don't think he'll be gold meddling at the time he's 15. I didn't have these stats for, um, the winter Olympics. I did find them for the summer Olympics. And so I thought this was interesting because with Olympic people, you have, uh, of course, you know, everyone might dream, everyone might dream of being an Olympian. I know you don't. Um, I, but maybe people I dream, do dream of I dream of, of uh, I would love to be an Olympian if it took no work. Like I wouldn't mind just waking up one day and being okay. an Olympian. Okay. Well, that's good. So I did. I found, found this chart uh, that says, you know, the chances of a high school athlete becoming a summer Olympic athlete. And so there were some percentages in there that made me think about it in regard to today's episode. So if if you're a man, a male, you have a 1 in 45,487 person chance of becoming an Olympian in, in basketball. That's fair. I would so, guess that. So, you know, telling you, uh, a 1 <laughs> in 307 chance if you are a sailor and you want to be in sailing. Um, best odds of joining the Olympics in any given sport, specifically the Summer Olympics, uh, one in 67 shot if you are a part of your equestrian team at your local high school. That's so, not so bad. So, uh, just consider that, Dale. A lot of uh, have you ever done equestrian? I have actually, but I mean, like not 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 uh, professionally. Uh, only only as a hobby. The but it's good to know for okay. any, for uh, for the for the rare demographic that's out there that says I'm an aspiring Olympian but I don't have a preference for what I want to do to be an Olympian. You say, well, pick up equestrian, <laughs> and you have the greatest odds of making it, given that you're coming at yeah, this with a blank slate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have no concern over what your sport is at all, equestrian seems to be your 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 winner for the Summer Olympics at least. Uh, same thing for women. One in forty five thousand. 487 shot in basketball uh swimming a one in 6435 person chance and then of course uh their equestrian is handball and so you got a one in 40 chance of uh being an olympian if you choose handball so i just think moms and dads out there if you're really trying to figure out the way you want your families engaged uh in sports Specifically, with the goal of having Olympian children, uh, horses and handball seem to be the winners right, right now. Yeah, uh, I don't know how hard you're going to have to. Get, yeah, how, you might have to convince your children that that is the best way to go about it because they'll probably want to, you know, ski and that would be Winter Olympics Partic- or basketball or uh, you know, wrestle or something like that. Par- parents of a young girl that maybe doesn't show a whole lot of athletic prowess but wants to be an Olympian and you mm. gently steer them towards handball. You say, here, sweetie. Well, give maybe, it a shot. Maybe you've got a 1 in 40 I mean, chance I mean, these, at handball. <laughs> these families go all in, and that's the crazy thing. I mean, we certainly aren't Olympic athletes. Our parents are not groom us to be Olympic athletes. Our parents are not groom us to be athletes just in general. Uh, um, Fair to say. But they are incredible 
they're incredibly committed families where you're like, well, here's so-and-so and her mom and dad who, you know, have been doing this forever uh, and forever in the past, you know, three years or 15 years of their life, whatever it is. So it's like an all-in thing to get there. Well, man, um, so that kind of brings us, I think, what you wanted to talk about. And and yesterday, of course, we uh, um, butted heads is too strong of a word. We minced, we, we didn't mince words. Thanks. With uh, with our opinions on on professional athletes, but kind of a natural uh, way for that. I to go. still think that you're you are a little silly for how intensely you dislike specifically basketball players. Uh, but whatever, you know, you can I, to each their own. I think you're a little First silly Amendment. for for, for uh, not understanding things sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but um, so true. But that said, you wanted so, to talk about thanks, uh, thanks, thanks for that. To, uh, basically raising kids and and family and like sports and and putting your kids through sports uh sports lessons uh, i did it, because here's here's the thing it's <laughs> right sports lessons i think every family i know you might disagree with this but every family has to decide how they'll be engaged in this topic we didn't get to it last week because we got a little long on uh on your disdain for uh, just all things sport in particular and how much you thought uh, athletes made yeah, too much and weren't nice enough, uh, whatever else. So um, so I thought, well, let's just keep going with that. But let's talk specifically about our families. We have a lot, a lot of listeners who have kids and have to decide in some way or another uh, how to engage or not engage in ye old sports lessons. Um, so it is a part of our culture. And I just thought to myself, Dale, uh, just take, take a second uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess your perspective, but I would like to hear your current take on youth sports for your family. And my guess is they're terrible, and you never want to go near them. Uh, nobody that ever has done sports has came out as a person I want to be around. Okay, just, no, just kidding. And how do you, and, Cle- <laughs> clearly not? Um, and I well, I assume you're right. Well, um, no, man, man, coming from that's how you feel coming from where I am, you know, it's. Uh, um, there are a lot, and you would you, you were, we, we can get into a little bit, but you were good enough to send some t- statistics about adults that have uh, had youth sporting experience and the ways in which they are better adjusted uh, individuals in adult life. And I don't dispute it for a second. Uh, Christina said you should talk about how— That's not my question. My question is— what is your current take on youth sports for your family? My current take on youth sports for my family. Not st- asking you to attack any stats I I'm, sent I'm, you yet. I'm not. I didn't. I agreed with them. I so basically saying I understand the value of youth sports, and I see them as a. What's posi- your take? I see them you as do. a positive good. Um, we liar. Continue. I see them as a generally positive good. We as a family have not yet. Um, indoctrinated any of our children into labor camps to learn sporting. Um, I'll, aside from like a couple month stint at gymnastics for both Casper and Donette, they both took them gymnastics for a, for a little bit, um, and that was uh, to get some of that that youth sports of uh, hearing from an adult that is not us and learning a little bit of discipline and learning a little bit of working at something. Um, but by and large, we have not put our children in any sports, and we don't really plan to. So uh, I'm not going to rule my, it out, but I'm going to say we're you, not we're not going there. Right did now. you did you send them to gymnastics and then like as they were there when you got done you like shocked them you know just a little buzz with like I gave, a, him, I gave him uh, a, I gave him a copy of uh, of Little House on the Prairie and had them read it back to me. 
uh, so that they could remember their roots and, and stay then, grounded. Just to just just to just to create a lot of hatred for sport in general is what I was wondering if you did. So you say I don't hate it, but I'm not going to go anywhere near it because my family is so young and developed that you already know what's going to be going on in five or six years from now, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's and my favorite my favorite thing is to put words in your mouth. That's really what I try to do here. So you don't like it, you don't ever do anything like it, and you never have any plan on any doing anything like it because you're better than it, right? This last part, yes, but the rest of it is uh, is uh, questionable. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think on our side, uh, we we aren't super engaged other than like doorway yeah, basketball goal he, basketball is he do, he's, he's not doing he's not in a bowling uh, league yet uh our, we are uh we've done one summer of ymca basketball uh the kids want to do it again uh, we've told them we don't know where we're going to live this summer because that whole job thing so we are not really sure if we can join something for the summer so it's essentially soccer out in the backyard and um Basket, uh, or door basketball goal basketball is really all we have going on uh we don't engage in it a ton as a family uh we don't we don't really we don't really do a ton right now uh but we do have fun with it and i i definitely foresee us uh getting more engaged as time goes on specifically specifically i can't talk tonight it's the echo chamber i'm in the reverse echo chamber uh we specifically specifically uh, we do have fun with it, and we will likely get more engaged if we can find the right opportunities. Uh, so, but it's hard, I think, in our culture to find those opportunities because they seem like they are all-consuming. So what you're saying, if I may put words in your mouth, is although uh, you find me overly prudish in my my views on sports to be um, 18th, that's, that's 18th generally century, just I. Uh, um, the, uh, I don't even think it's 18th century. I think that, um, uh, I think the 18th century people would be sorry, way more engaged just, with sports just, than just you per, do. Particularly, yeah, when they were t- all those all those 18th century Especially moms and their equestrian. minivans taking their kids to soccer practice. But um, but uh, but practically on a practical level, you've you've done almost nothing differently than me. Besides, um, uh, besides, I don't, I don't spank my kids when they say, "Can we play basketball?" Fair point. Okay. Um, Which is something I know you do. Field goal. Uh, we, we rode our bikes to the, the school, the, the neighborhood school, even this weekend, and played basketball together. Uh, so we we engage in sports as a family. I would say more than you do. You guys probably engage in reading and uh, and and storytelling things, uh, and we Drama. do that too because we're as good, if not better, than you. I get it. Hey, I'm gonna kill my uh, camera. I know it. I know uh, you don't get to play off my face real quick, but I need to. Uh, conserve battery i don't want to run out here um <laughs> you can't plug in your computer no i can't it only takes a USB-C. okay fair enough hey dale i did get i did get a little bit of info on sports i wanted some data you know the the budding phd student in me hopefully graduating soon is a data guy hit me with so your, i wanted to figure some stuff data. out this is so this is from the aspen institute uh, which you can find, and they do all kinds of research, not just on sports, left, but on many, many things. Sporting, so, uh, sporting think tank. Go ahead. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, funded by James Harden and his <laughs> GIF that you hate. Yeah. Um, so the whole, their whole. So you know, as I thought about the cultural perspective logo. on sports, I, I, 
when I preach, I tell the church, you got to chillax a little bit on sports. It can be all-consuming. Well, here's one thing that I did find is that often engagement in sports is tied to income. So if you can afford things, you do it more. That was actually one of the charts that they had. So, uh, for example, uh, 43% of core participants of swimming, for example, because that's a pretty all-inclusive travel around, figure out what you're doing, sport, Mm -hmm. uh, have – uh, income of a hundred thousand plus a year. Baseball, they have about the same percentage, twenty-seven to twenty-nine percent of households making that much. Uh, football and basketball have the core families have sixteen percent at under twenty-five thousand dollars a year uh, of of income, and so sixteen, yeah, sixteen percent of both of those. And so some of the sports that are are more known in our culture have. Uh, have some more economic diversity. And then as you get to like soccer, it increases economic uh, means. Swimming increases. And then, of course, lacrosse. There we go. Yeah. Uh, lacrosse, 56%. So I think that sports can feel all-inclusive because because the way they're often structured demands it. You have to I mean, take I, out I, a I second mortgage just to get your and kids you, involved. You, you, you have... Yeah, there's no, there's no kind of middle ground. That was my parents' house. I grew up there. We're, you're like, we don't. Want- don't worry, Ray. A lot of people have mortgages. <laughs> so, so that was one. I think, but at the same time, and this is the other part that you have to counteract, which you were coming after a little bit, is that you know, same, same, same group is finding that uh, if you are more active, you are just kind of better all around. Not like you know, childhood obesity goes way down. Better test scores, graduation. Like it's just a lot that's positive about activity. It doesn't need to be sports, um, but activity. Physically active children, early childhood and adolescence, uh, perform better than physically inactive. And one thing that uh, just came out, or study that just came out today, uh, is that um, the percentage of children aged two to nineteen who are obese. Increased from 14% in 1999 to 18.5% in 2015 and 2016. But not only that, there was also no statistical difference in overall obesity rates between 2013-14 and 2015-16. With all the hopes that uh, we have, might have been undercutting childhood obesity rates, um, we are not doing that. And so I do think think there is an activity thing in sports that is helpful for us to consider. Uh, it's not just, I wouldn't say it's just competition, uh, which I think is something that you want to talk about, uh, mm-hmm. but it's actually physical activity. And I think one reason it's going down is because of the amount of screens, video games, devices that kids have is that the older they get, the more sedentary they get versus the more active they get. So I think this is this is an important thing to consider. You don't want sports to be all consuming, but it's a a great way to get physical activity, especially as you get older. And things are actually on the decline. There was a survey, same group we're looking at, uh, that interviewed moms that said, uh, well, there's too much emphasis on winning versus having fun. There's too much time commitment. It costs too much money. Uh, The coaches are crazy uh, or my kids might get injured. So people are actually reducing their engagement in sports, even though sports themselves are cost-taking more time. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is something in organized physical activity, not just organized competition, but organized physical activity mm-hmm. and overall well-being that we're losing. Sure. If we're not careful. I hear you. And so you're um, 
you're pitching almost more of a uh, a not just the mental health side of it. You're you're not just talking about um, here's here's something I'm willing to cede pretty reasonably, and that that is sports as an alternative. Oh yes. Uh, no, I'm saying sports as as an alternative to um, a sedentary life um, is is an easy trade off. Uh, um, and that basic side of it, the thing the th- thing that I see less willingly is is what something that you weren't really pushing, but the I would just push against the ghost of the idea um, that it is necessarily sports. Okay, that make, straw man, here we come. No, no, that it is necessarily sports that make for um, mentally healthy adults rather than I would just probably say group activity and sure, or group sure. identity. Um, and where yeah. I said, where I said, that makes sense. Where I, said, where I said sports is a vehicle for that. It's not the vehicle. It's not, it's not unique in that it's the only vehicle for that, but it is unique in that it is a vehicle for physical health. Um, and it is, a, and it in that role is, is decreasing as sports become both cost prohibitive and uh, and seen more as a um, a luxury of of upper middle class to upper class families, and it's not just cost prohibitive; it's incredibly time prohibitive. There isn't the we're not going to be professional athletes, we're not going to be Olympians. We just want to be kind of normal folks and engaged actively. There's there's less room for that now. It feels like you have to either be all in. Or all out. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of room in between. And that's where I think believers and the church could step in. And in some places they are, but they could step in and actually bring about some pretty good stuff here. Particularly, Hans, because um, as your friend pointed out, I'm of that homeschool ilk just in the very way that I speak. Uh, and and That's right. Another, it's, it's oozing out of you even right now. So something that goes part and parcel with homeschooling and weirdos and, and church. Uh, is that um, is larger families, and so you're not even talking about um, cost for one child. If you're talking about a family like yours, three or mine, three, that becomes then those those costs just grow rapidly. Um, in your then you're really then you're, I guess as, what would you say to a family of three children who see the value of, of sports, of, of group athletics for their children, both physically and mentally, we'll just call it as a, as a, as a, as a group exercise, but they say, Hans, how on earth can I pay yeah. for three kids to be involved in whatever leagues they get involved in? Yeah, and this is where it gets hard. I, I appreciate the question. And, and you have to, like, so I know uh, I have a buddy who has a bunch of kids, and at least at one point in time in his life, his rule was, you can be involved in what you want, but you were not going to be gone more than two nights a week. And so if your thing requires three nights a week, pick the two you plan to go to it. And so you will, I think, I think the believing family has to be able to put some boundaries up to say, we won't get engaged in these ways once it becomes all consuming. So that that's kind of one idea is you got to have the right, the right boundaries um, on your own time. You also have to be willing to have boundaries for your kids who might want to do everything, and you have to say, okay, well, we're not going to engage like that. But a, a YMCA uh, summer basketball league is, you know, one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars per kid, mm-hmm. or summer, you know, or summer soccer, whatever it might be, uh, and they're not going to try to just you know suck your soul 
pulling your time away. And so you also have to find the opportunities that may not um, may not be, you know, we're ballers and we're great at everything, uh, but, uh, but allow you to get engaged in some way. So I think there's there's another part. Now, churches do things like there's one in town here at Struma does a Struma Sports. A lot of churches borrow upward sports as their way to do it, which is uh, still competitive, Christ-centered, um, and less demanding, but you gain some of the the value from it. Uh, but you have as a parent, you have to be willing to say, we're not going to get engaged in all of these ways. We cannot do it. Um, it also, now, I, I am a monogendered child home, so we just have boys. Yeah, and our boys right now kind of all like the same thing, which which is Legos easier for us. But I think (laughs) Legos, basketball. But there's another thing I think that we can do if the goal is not just sport, but the goal is activity. That I think you need to find things to go all in as a family on with activity. So we do bike rides, and uh, bike rides aren't you know Courtney and I are not getting this vigorous exercise, but it's time with us together because I think. One of the reasons people get afraid of sports and an all-consuming nature is because they're going to have less family time. So I think families have to commit to where they're going to go, and when they go, they go together. They say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, um, and we're not going to just let you do this over here and you do that over there because now all you're doing is dividing up and shuttling. And that, I think, can can be a little bit of a danger for family time. So commit to certain activities together and be ready to say no to certain things. And I think another thing the church can do in a world that is either wants all your time for one thing or gives you no time for another is we can be an example of uh, pace and perspective. That we're not going to make you know athletic world changers, that we want to have good competition and we want to have good, healthy children, and we don't want this to be the thing that consumes our life. And I think if you could do that, um, where we're even making it uh, have less expensive environments for people to be engaged in, because that could be one of the prohibitive reasons. I think we can help uh, both our own families uh, and families around us to get engaged in good, good things that don't just suck your joy and your soul away. Yeah. And I think even maybe the homeschool dad like you might actually – like sports more. Well, I think my my own goal is to eventually have enough children to where as we can form our own sort of intramural league, uh, and then it's both uh, free and a family activity. You know, and if I can just have like nine kids, and we go start a baseball team. Baseball team. Yeah. There you go. Um, I've got to learn uh, like what baseball uh, it, it, is first. <laughs> that's right. It's yellow. It's the baseball is yellow. Got you. Uh, so that's one thing. Also, I've, yeah. but but on the on a more serious note, what I've even heard um, other families with more kids do, and tell me what your I mean, there's pros and cons to this, but also they would say it's something like they allow one of their children to do one activity at a time, and then the rest of the children have to like support that child. But then, like when that year's over, they move on to another child and say, "Okay, Billy, now it's your turn. What would you like to be involved in?" And the family <laughs> it's will like support crop that. rotations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, We're gonna, your, your sporting has to lie yeah. fallow for a moment. Yeah, and, and, and I think it'd be healthy. I you think, can't do it. I think of the concept we've moved too far away from. Um, it's not just for farmers. It worked for Israelites in their fields. Maybe yeah. it should work for us too in our sports. That's what I hear. That's, that's what I'm. Thinking. You know, I this this is. I, I I think summarily, this is how I think about it. I I just said think twice. Sure. Um, you have to keep 
strong commitments of your family in, or the world is going to take it from from you. And so you have to be committed to your family's, I'd say physical health. It's part of their spiritual health. You have to be committed to their physical health. You also have to be committed to um, you guys being a family together. And so that's going to make you look weird. And you have to commit now as a believing family to go, we're going to look weird because we commit to certain things. We don't commit to others. We don't do, perhaps, uh, we don't do Sunday practice in the morning. Sorry, we just, you know, we, we do something else uh, or we go to worship like that's you have to be a little odd to make that commitment and actually go, where will we be and where won't we be? Sure. Uh, because the world is not concerned about your family time. They're concerned about their own stuff. And so they're going to cut at it. And you have to be resolved not to let that happen. And so that's where I say if you go into things together as a family, it's going to make it easier. Yeah. If you limit the amount of engagement that you can do with any one thing, that's going to make it easier. But regardless, you have to know that people are going to think you're weird because of it, and that's okay. You just make the commitment. So that's that's kind of how – ultimately, that's that's where I land with it. Real quick and small, just like con- like side concrete point that I think you just said that would you probably, I think, would generally agree with. You, you would counsel a family um, if, there's a, if there's a sporting activity that requires their time on Sundays consistently, you would say, move away from that. Like, you know, not, you know, and yeah. I, don't, I don't opinion you. I know, and I know, yeah. I know there's uh, plenty a, of exceptions where you'd say like, okay, I understand you're busy on this Sunday for this thing. But if it's like our little league practices on every Sunday morning, you know, it, that might be something believing family has to say, okay, sorry. Like we can't make, we can't make that commitment as a family to give that up. I don't know. Is that, is that too stringent? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I talk about this with the church. So I, I, I would, I would, I would say it like this. If your commitment to your family's activities regular removes you from the fellowship of the believers, specifically being able to worship together, then I would have problems with that. Um, if it's if it's for you know if you foresee in your schedule a run where you're going to be a little more busy, I understand that more than you say to the calendar, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and do whatever the team or the league asks us to do, and we're not even going to think one thing about. Uh, being with our faith family, so I, I do. I do say you got to watch your priorities, but I would not be dogmatic to say, well, you ca- if you can't meet at the times where we meet in the places that we meet, then you are not being faithful. Gotcha. Um, for for example, I, I heard of a church uh, in Miami that in processing whether or not they would have a Saturday night service, which to some people feel sacrilegious, the the guy asked the question. Well, how many of our people work on Sundays, mm-hmm. and, and and their jobs require them to work on Sunday mornings? And I had never thought about that as a uh, determiner. So we do. We have people uh, who at our church either because of shift work that they have to do. They're engineers and they have to do shift work and they have turnarounds and they'll go a month straight where they essentially work like what feels like twenty eight out of thirty days. Yeah. Uh, we have physicians who are on call. And they they have to have to do that. And so I also think a wise church recognizes some of those rhythms, doesn't chide their their church members, and provides the appropriate opportunities if their context demands it. But I would never think that they, the church needs to bow the knee to sporting schedules, and that families need to do what they can and make the commitments that they can to prioritize their faith family. And um, and I would want to be sure that was happening regardless of uh, the reason. Gotcha. 
Well, Hans, I still don't think I'm going to uh, enroll my kids in any sports because I, you haven't convinced me that they're not a particularly crafted um, uh, satanic institution. But I'm a little bit warmer to them as an overall kind of thing that exists. Is that fair to say? Yes, you got it, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I'm glad you've warmed up a little bit. But uh, everyone listening, thanks for uh, uh, tuning in. I know um, I got a couple comments last week. People were uh, happy that Hans and I were. Or they uh, they found it funny that Hans and I were feistier with each other. Uh, and so uh, maybe we'll try and push on topics more in the future of which we have inherent good natured disagreements, like Star Wars. Well, I think next week might be the good one. I know we have one way, one in the works of um, things pastors don't necessarily appreciate about plebes and things plebes don't necessarily appreciate about pastors. Or like, oh yeah, pet, yeah, pet plebes. <laughs> pet, pet, pet plebes. So I think maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think maybe next week we could bring to the table some things from a pastoral perspective and a, a member perspective that uh, that bother one another. Uh, in a good, good-natured, loving, brotherly way. I think so. For everyone uh, listening, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You can email us at pastorandplebe at gmail.com or tweet Hans or myself. Um, and that's just our name. And if you made it this far, just so you know, uh, you're actually getting a podcast that was recorded over two days. Dale is sitting in a supply closet at work because his computer died. So we we had to finish this out the following afternoon uh, late afternoon, it wasn't work hours, so that we could finish. So, Dale, thanks for joining me from sitting on a case in a closet. Ten, uh, $10 to anyone if they can spot where the cut was between last night and today. Ten American dollars. <laughs> thanks, everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs>